Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. faithful Indian companion Tonto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of a great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. his 14-year-old nephew, Dan Reed, were camped near the small Texas town of Crippled Creek. Dan had spent the afternoon in the community purchasing supplies. Since his return, he had been silent, rather thoughtful. The Lone Ranger noticed his manner and spoke of it during the evening meal. I I was just sort of wondering. I don't like to ask questions. (laughs) Dan, I can't believe that. I never knew a boy who could ask more questions than you. Well, I... I mean questions about, well, sort of personal questions. Such as? uh, Well, questions about you and Tonto. I don't want to seem to be prying into your business. If you're wondering where Tonto is... Well, I I was. (laughs) He went over to the mission to see if the Padre had any messages for us. He'll be back tonight or tomorrow morning. Well, that's not what I was going to ask. I was wondering about your guns. My guns? Is it true that there are no others like them? Yes, that's true, Dan. Sam Colt made these guns. 
There are no others like them. Didn't I ever tell you how I got my gun? No. You told me how you got silver and how you and Tano became acquainted, but you never told me about your guns. I've often wondered about them. It's quite a story, Dan. But there's no reason for keeping it a secret from you. Gosh, I'd sure like to hear it. I'll throw a little more wood on the campfire. And we can sit back in our blankets and talk. Well, you talk. I'll listen. You uh, probably knew that Samuel Colt got the idea for a revolver when he was a boy. He's a little older than you. No, I didn't know that. Well, it's true. You're 16 years old. How did he get the idea? To tell you the story of my guns, Dan, I'll have to tell you the story of Samuel Colt and the Colt revolver. Gee, I'd sure like to hear it. <laughs> well, when Colt was 16, he was on a ship sailing from Boston to India. He stood idly watching the ship's wheel turning and bringing its spokes one after another in line with the lock that uh, held the wheel in position when the ship was on a steady course. Yes, then he thought of a weapon that would hold cartridges in each of several chambers. The chambers would turn as the spokes of the wheel turned and bring one cartridge after another in line with the weapon's barrel. And his idea became the revolver, huh? <laughs> yes, Dan. But not for many years. Sam Colt uh, traveled all over the world, giving lectures to raise money to develop his idea. When he did develop it, he formed a company to manufacture the Colt revolvers. But he had many discouragements. He tried to get the army to adopt his quick-firing weapons, but he had no success. Golly, I can't understand that. I've heard so much about the firepower of Colts. Then that firepower was proved right here in Texas. Uh, Captain Walker, the Texas Rangers, had been fighting savage Indians. He needed the best gun he could find, and he found it in the Colt repeater. Well, he ordered guns for his men... But weeks went by without a reply. He and his men were in pursuit of Sitting Crow. They were a few miles south of Suicide Canyon. They had uh, paused to give their horses a chance to rest and had sent two men to the nearest town for a fresh supply of ammunition. Captain Walker, the boys are sent in the town to return him. Good. They're just coming up the hill. Instead of riding their horses, they're driving a wagon. A wagon? Yes, sir, a buckboard. Right over there, sir. See for yourself. That's curious. Maybe they had more ammunition they could carry on horseback. I doubt it. Well, at any rate, we'll soon know. Hi there, Captain. Oh, hello, hello. Where are your horses? We had to leave them in town, Captain. We needed a buckboard to bring back supplies. What kind of supplies? What's in that case? Doggone if we know. It was waiting in town for you, Captain Walker, and marked like it was mighty important. Well, this is from Patterson, New Jersey. Yes, sir. She's traveled a long way. Call the boys. Break this open. This is what I've been waiting for. Hey, boy! Here, Billings, give yes, me a hand with this. You'll crack her open right away. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we'll give Sitting Crow and some of those savages something to think about. All I know is that this case is doggone heavy. Pull that board aside. Hey, these are guns and cartridges. And what guns? Wait till I load one of them. The men are all here, Captain Walker. Men, these are the guns we've been waiting for. Give me 15 Texas Rangers armed with Colt guns like these, and I'll tackle anything. Why, what, uh... Blake, you're the fastest gunman we have. Draw, fire, and reload ready to fire again. While you're doing that, I'll demonstrate the new Colt. Shall I fire right now? Go ahead. Now reload and fire again. Oh, 
Go ahead, Blake. Fire your pistol. It's not reloaded, sir. <laughs> you see, while you reload, I've fired six times. What? That's incredible. Men, I have a new six-shooter for each of you. When we catch up to Sitting Crow, we'll give him the surprise of his life. We'll introduce him to the frontier peacemaker. Were those the first Colt peacemakers? No, Dan. A number of individuals had recognized the hard-hitting qualities of Colt's gun. But Walker's detachment of Texas Rangers was the first organized group to adopt the weapon. Uh, you were going to tell me about your guns. <laughs> I'm leading up to them, Dan. First, I've got to tell you the rest of the story about Captain Walker and his pursuit of Sitting Crow. Oh, yes. Well, there were nearly a hundred Indians in that pack of savages. They were heading for the Badlands to get away from the Texas Rangers. They headed for a canyon. Lieutenant Blake knew the canyon. When the Rangers reached the entrance, he signaled and Captain Walker ordered a halt. What are we stopping for? You had something on your mind, Blake. What is it? Captain Walker, this is Suicide Canyon. You mean that's the name of it? Yes, sir. And in our case, the name means exactly what it says. How's that? About two miles straight ahead, the floor of the canyon's almost covered with rocks as big as a horse. Well, what about it? Sitting Crow and his men, as well as their horses can take shelter behind those rocks and pick us off like setting ducks. Unfortunately, Blake, we have no choice. No choice, sir? We're Texas Rangers. We cannot abandon this pursuit. Not even if it means death for all of us to continue? Not even if it means death for all of us. Men, you've all heard what Blake said? Yes, sir. If any man wants to hit the back trail, this is the time to do it. But before you go, turn in your badge. How about you, Blake? Captain Walker, I'm a Texas Ranger. I go wherever you go. You can say the same for me. And me. I reckon we're all going with you, Captain Walker. Very well. And follow me. Get up there. Determined to do their best, the Texas Rangers proceeded along the floor of the canyon expecting to be ambushed by the Indians when they reached the northern end. They'd gone about a mile and a half and they heard gunfire. It was far ahead, with no sign of Indians close at hand. Oh, Captain Walker called a halt. What do you make of it, Captain Walker? I don't know. Maybe the Indians met someone else. Just a minute. I want to listen to that gunfire. Captain Walker identified the crack of Indian carbines. And, in addition to these... He heard guns of another caliber. Blake, Billings, all of you. Someone up ahead is armed with guns like ours. And it can't be Indians. Someone's fighting the Indians. We have unexpected help. Come on, let's get into that fight. As the Texas Rangers charged ahead, they saw the Indians without shelter in the canyon. They were being held at bay by four fast-firing guns, maintained a steady fire from beyond the protecting boulders. We've got them, boys. The Indians are trapped. Open up and show them the firepower of a peacemaker. A small band of Texas Rangers tore into the Indians. The Indians were trapped and they knew it. Many fell in the first few seconds of the fighting. And the rest threw down their weapons and put up their hands in complete surrender. That does it, boys. Line them up and disarm them. Then we'll see who met him and kept him from reaching the shelter of those rocks. 
bet I can guess who was behind those rocks. It was you and Tano. <laughs> yes, that's right, Dan. We had started through Suicide Canyon. We saw the Indians approaching and recognized Sitting Crow as a renegade who was wanted by the law. At just about the same instant, the Indians saw us and opened fire, so we took shelter behind the rocks. Then what happened? Well, after that victory, other Texas Rangers adopted the new Colt Peacemaker and blazed trails of justice throughout the length and breadth of Texas. The tide turned for Samuel Colt. The fame of his gun spread fast, and it was finally approved and accepted for use by the United States Army. Colt was very grateful to Captain Walker, so he designed a special gun, the finest ever built. He made just two of them and presented them to Captain Walker. But golly... If it hadn't been for you and Tano, those Texas Rangers would have been wiped out. Captain Walker wanted to give the credit for that victory to Tano and me, but I asked him to keep us out of his reports. He agreed to do this, but insisted that I accept the special guns that Colt had made for him. Here, these are the guns. Gosh, isn't Colt going to make any more like them? I don't know, Dan. Does he know that you have these guns? Yes. Captain Walker told Colt about Tano and me. In fact, I recently had a letter from Colt. Oh, you did? Yes, Dan. You see, these guns have special improvements in the trigger mechanism. They're very fast and reliable. Enemy agents are trying to learn how they're made. Colt has destroyed the blueprints, so these spies can't steal them. Golly, I wonder if those spies are in this part of the country. Why? When I was in town, I heard men talking. They were asking questions about the guns of the Lone Ranger. They were? Yes. Hmm. In his letter, Sam Colt warned me to be on the lookout. He said that if the spies couldn't get the blueprints, they might try to get my guns. Someone's coming. That sounds like Scout. Yes, it is. Tano's coming back. And riding hard. Maybe he got some information from the Padre. We'll soon know. Oh, Scout, oh, fella. Oh, fella. You've traveled hard, Tano. Not right. Did the Padre have anything important to tell you? Him got plenty important message. Maybe better you saddle up. All right. Back the gear, Dan. Tano, you can talk while we're preparing to break camp. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. continue our story. After calling on the Padre, Tonto came into the Lone Ranger's camp. He had ridden hard because he brought news of an emergency nature. While he talked, the Indian helped the masked man and Dan saddle their horses and break camp. He had brought a message from an old friend, 
Clarabelle Hornblower. According to the message, Tonto, it's a life and death matter. That's right. Clarabelle and Thunder Martin aren't the kind of people who ask for help. How long ago did they send the message to the Padre? Two days ago. Perhaps we're already too late to be of help. Golly, I hope not. How long will it take us to get to Miss Hornblow's ranch? We start right now. We can be there by noon tomorrow. We'll have to go through town, won't we? No, Dan. Those men you saw in town might be the foreign agents Sam Coles wrote about. Oh, golly. That being the case, it'll be better if we ride around Cripple Creek. What are you going to do about those men who were asking questions? After we learn why Clarabelle and Thunder sent for us and do what we can to help them, we'll investigate the men who showed such interest in me and my guns. That is work. Easy, boy. I'll tighten the cinch. There now. Guess we're ready to shove on. How about your horse, Dan? Victor's all set to move. Ready, big fellow? Are you ready, Tonto? Uh-huh. Be ready. Then come along. Come on, The Lone Ranger's big white stallion led the way in a wide sweep around the town of Crippled Creek. Dan Reed rode close behind. His horse, the Son of Silver, was almost identical to the masked man's powerful mount, the only difference being a black star on Victor's forehead. Tonto, on his paint horse, rode beside Dan Reed. The pace was a steady, ground-covering loop. Tonto was not the only one who had ridden hard. A half-breed named McGuail came into town, dismounted from his lathered horse, and hurried to a rear room on the first floor of a crippled Creek hotel. Senor! Senor, open the door! It is I, Miguel. All right, come on in there, Miguel, and stop your yelling. Senor Fleming, I... Oh, Senor, I, I thought you were alone. It's all right, Miguel. You can talk in front of Mr. Steinwick. He's a partner with me on our deal. Oh. This Fleming is the half-breed about whom you spoke? Yes. I had him stationed near the mission so he could watch to see if the Lone Ranger and that Indian friend of his called on the Padre. He has been there, senor. The Indian with the paint horse. The one who is called Tonto. Was a masked man with him? No, the Indian, he came alone and left soon after. And he must have gotten the note we left. See, see, I'm sure of it. In which case, he'll take that note to the Lone Ranger. And the Lone Ranger will make tracks for the Hornblow Ranch. Fleming, seems to me you go to a lot of unnecessary trouble. How's that? These elaborate plans. Would it not have been easier to follow the Indian called Tanto until he joins this Lone Ranger? Then turn our guns on both? Steinwick, the head man in Washington gave us a lot of information about the Lone Ranger. His habits and his friends and the way he operates. You'd better study that information. I have studied it. Then you should know that we wouldn't have a chance to get him by following that Indian. He's got to be caught completely off guard. (laughs) You think your plan will catch him off guard? (laughs) You bet it will. What's more, we'll get him a long ways from any town. At the Hornblow Ranch? Yes. He'll go there thinking his friends need help. When he gets there, we'll be waiting for him. And we'll be ready to shoot to kill. Now, this woman named Hornblow, she lives alone? No, I told you there's a critter named Thunder Martin who lives at the ranch. He's sort of a foreman. Used to be a mule skinner. We'll deal with him, too. Miguel, Mm. go to the livery stable and get three fresh horses. Si, senor, si. Get ready to travel, Steinwich. Sure. We're heading for the Hornblow Ranch and the six guns of the Lone Ranger. By this time tomorrow, we should be ready to return to Washington. (laughs) 
The Lone Ranger, Dan, and Tonto made a halt in the morning sometime after daybreak and prepared a simple breakfast while their horses grazed and rested. They were in an arroyo and were about ready to resume their journey to Clarabelle Hornblow's ranch when they heard hoofbeats approaching. They listened attentively as the sound drew near. Quite a few animals there, Tonto. Isn't that right? How many would you say, Tonto? Seven, eight, maybe more. Oh, you, you hear that? <laughs> oh, that's Thunder Mike. <laughs> Can't be anyone else. <laughs> oh, golly, listen to him. Come on, we'll climb up the side of the arroyo and see him. <laughs> Oh, thunder. Well, I'll be a stony and horn toad. Oh, hold that. Oh, you may take a little toad. How are you, thunder? Why, God, if I was any better, I'd be downright worried because it would be natural. Why, you're a sight for sore eyes, and so's Tonto in the buttonhole, you know. Fine. What the incarnation of you three critters doing in this part of the country? We were on our way to the Hornblow Ranch. We understood you and Clarabelle needed help. Huh? We received a message from Clarabelle. The Padre had it. I have it right here. Why, that's downright funny. Didn't Clarabelle send this note to me in care of the Padre? Why, Clarabelle didn't send no notes to nobody. What's that thing say? Here, I'll read it to you. Please come as soon as possible. It's a matter of life and death. Signed, Clarabelle Hornblow. Why, Dad, read it. Clarabelle never wrote that. Hmm. I wonder who did. Why, Juniper, I'd like to find out. It's your cause for some investigating. Going to be investigated, Thunder. I have an idea that this is part of a scheme of enemy agents who would like to steal my guns. Clarabelle Hornblow was alone when she heard horses Mm. coming to a halt in the rear of her small ranch house. At first, she thought it might be Thunder Martin returning with his mules, but when she looked out the window... She saw three strangers, one of them a half-breed. She opened the door. You, Miguel, take the horses over yonder where they'll be out of sight. Easy. Hey there, what do you critters want? Is your name Hornblow? Always has been, so I reckon it still is. What's it to you, stranger? Then you're the one we want to see. Come in, Stanwich. Sure. Come along in, Miguel, when you've taken care of those horses. Now, hold on. You can't come into my house this like... This gun's a... our invitation. Well, I've all... Be quiet and listen to what we say. You know the Lone Ranger and Tonto, don't you? You're doggone right, I do. And when they hear... We about... sent for the masked man. Sign your name to a note. That's a downright lie. No one knows where to address that man. We sent the note to the Padre, and we know that the Lone Ranger got it. Now, when he comes, you're going to be sitting here in this room, acting as if everything were all right. Invite him in. So that's the game. You poor cats aim to kill him. We want his guns. Senor, senor. What is it, Miguel? They are coming. I see them. The masked man and the Indian, they will be here quickly. Did you hide our horses? Oh, see, si, see. Si. You heard our plans, Miss Hornblow. Sit right there in that chair and act as if nothing were wrong. Like fun, I will. Don't be a fool. You can't help your friend. You cry out and we silence you quickly. You help us and you'll not be hurt. Think I'm scared of being hurt? Why, you bug brain side. So you. Let go, Mom. Let go. Hear me. Senor, Senor, be quick. Look out the window. They come this way in a hurry. The Indian and the masked man. Make up your mind. What are you going to do? I'll show you what I. You see them out there, Senor Fleming? They'll be here in a few seconds. Oh, yes, I see them. I. I'll do what you want. 
You show good judgment. I can't stand having my arm twisted, so... Now let go of me, will you? To be sure. Here's what you ought to do. When that masked man reigns up outside, you just act like nothing had happened. Invite him and the Indian into this house. Where? Where will you be? I'll get over on this side of the room behind the door. Seinwick, you and the breed go into the next room. Right. We'll cover the Lone Ranger and the Indian from all sides. The schemers took their places in Clarabelle's home without suspecting the real reason for the woman's sudden acceptance of their terms. They didn't know that it was not the Lone Ranger who reigned up outside. They little suspected that Clarabelle had recognized Thunder Martin, despite the fact that he wore the Lone Ranger's mask. Invite him in. Be careful how you act. Tell Tonto to come in with him. Come in! Come on in, both of you! Why, bless my soul, look who's here. Mercy me, I'm sure glad to see you. Won't you step in and close the door? Me, close the door. This is certainly a great surprise. There's another surprise. Uh -huh. Get your hands up. Well, who's that? You heard what Fleming said. Raise your hands and be quick or we shoot. And they mean it. Don't cross them. They're murderous critters. Get your hands up. Perhaps it would be better if we shoot them now instead of later. All right, all right. I got my hands up. Lower one hand slowly and unbuckle your gun belt. Let it fall to the floor. Be sure you don't move too fast. You are, Brazier, sure, making an awful mistake. We know what we're doing. So do we. What, what, who is this? Another masked man. I'll show you. Try again. Let's all fight. Let's Let's go. Go. Let's go. Kick it. Hit him again, Tom. Oh, my arm. My arm. All right. Drop those guns. Oh, make, make, don't shoot. I'll, I'll take your shooting arms. Now, get over there, you poor cat. Stand again, that boy. Be careful, Thunder. Do you want to shove him right clean through the wall? Fairbell, who are these rannies? What are they doing here? They sent a forged letter. Oh, we know all about that. They tried to make me help man bush the Lone Ranger. And Dad, rabbit, Fairbell, you just about did that same. You let me and Tonto walk Thunder, in here. Thunder, you're an addle-headed fool. I saw you and Tonto through the window. Oh. When I saw you wearing a mask and riding Dan Reed's horse... I realized that the Lone Ranger was expecting a trap of some kind. Yes, we were, Clarabelle. We met Thunder on the trail and learned that the letter to the Padre had been forged. You... You are not the Lone Ranger? Oh, me? <laughs> not bad, Jug Four. I, I just took his place temporary to keep you gents busy while he slipped around to come in the rear window. Otto, you stay here and help Thunder guard these three while I go for long enough. Uh, but, but how about Dan? Will he be all right down in the valley with my mules until you get back? Yes, Thunder. Dan will be all right. Uh, tell him that horse of his is a fine critter. He's a son of silver. He should be. Now, for mercy's sake, Thunder, take that mask off. Uh, don't look natural on you. Oh, all right, Clarabelle. But doggone it, I reckon there's not many men that have played an understudy for the Lone Ranger. The capture of Steinwick and Fleming was by no means the end of the efforts of foreign agents to secure the Lone Ranger's guns. Word of their capture flashed across the telegraph lines to Washington, D.C. The message was decoded by a clerk and taken to the very private office of the head of the foreign spy ring. So, Steinwick and Fleming have failed. Well, that is but the beginning. Send for Agent 47 and Agent 32. 
Give them all the information we have gathered in connection with this lone ranger and tell them to prepare for a trip to Texas. The story you have just heard is a copyrighted feature of The Lone Ranger Incorporated.